Hello and welcome to Akrazia. In this podcast, I'll try to give you my mental bio. And I think podcasts are a perfect medium for this, because it is about a realm that cannot be photographed or painted. So, let's see what we can do with words. In my view, a mindscape is life up to now. But the question is, is that life within contentment? Or, in another way, has that mindscape led to contentment? A great deal of contentment is due to good health. But a personality that understands the limits of breaking points and have the courage for self-preservation instead of self-destruct one is very important. The art to navigate for contentment demands understanding because experience says the price of guessing or jumping to conclusion is often too high. But what is experience? I personally think it is about crossing the lines of hardship and surviving without prejudice or a desire for revenge. Otherwise it means I have not survived but I'm just a walking wounded stuck in the past. What is your source of strength? Mine is as natural as it can get. When I need strength, I think of my mother. Mother. If that truth was not there, I would not be here. The voice in my head tells me who I ought to be, and I oblige. It's not a weakness, it is respect. I respect that voice, for it is part of me and as if it has never existed. It warps between these two states, and the product is me. The voice knows natural beauty, and to some part of that I have given my life. The voice only speaks to me, no outside influence is allowed except what has been learned. Life, like a comet glowing white with darkness in its background, it shines all the brighter. It is like any happening, it takes the shortest path, and such is life, the voice said. One day it asked me to be silent. It did not suit me and I wanted better. Better? Or good are mere judgments. There is only beauty, the voice clarified, and I believed her. Yes, it is a female voice, the union of my mother, all mothers, and the mother. A personal journey has to be right, and nothing is valid beyond reality. The one we can touch, feel, see, hear, and the one that gives us an awareness fueled by human affection. 
the monetized version has no value whatsoever because it's a business, not an affection. The personal journey cannot be a piped dream weaved by strands of promises and fads. I don't want to deal with the untrue, as it is bound to fall apart one way or the other. Then what? Mental illness? No. If I don't enter the realm of the untrue and be absent from it altogether, it cannot touch me. I am happy to choose what is unfamiliar to my entity and avoid it. When I want to scrutinize my insanity, I imagine myself as a sculpture, and I take a chisel and a mallet to it, and I intend to carve something of beauty out of it. I suggest everyone should try this approach, instead of always meddling in other people's insanity and leaving their own completely untouched. The arena where I can do my carving is in that pool of time ahead of me, the future. The studio is in my head. The model, the model is love, because only love would lead me to all my imperfection. There are no flatteries in love. In the realm of the untruth, nothing ends. It has a lot in common with asking for direction when lost. The untrue in its nature never gives the right answer or the right direction. But if followed, then one is still lost. But the untrue facilitates denial. It can even prescribe pills for certain discomforts. Some pills are compulsory and come in the form of propaganda to sedate comprehension. Insanity is never too far from lies. Real is somewhat more tolerant. It has evolved to contain human life and all life. My comprehension says if I ignore it, the consequence is waste. So there is me and there is my space where my world happens. The construction of that space has to be right so I can see the world I want to see. The insanity of haste and waste of modern days is always looking for ways to break into it like a, a computer hacker. Within my space the currency is love and freedom is my intent. But neither love or freedom can be achieved unless I own nothing. What I mean by that is I shouldn't own anything that I will value more than my humanity. Having nothing keeps the currency stable. It does not attract the fake and their ulterior motives. The world, well, it has abandoned hope. The emphasis to follow a formula for success at all costs is not hope, because hope has to retain one's natural joys, and that's the hope worth having courage for. 
I'm glad to have shared a glimpse of my mental bio with you, and I hope the world you see is mainly the world you want. Today's story is called Crisis in the Jungle, and here it is. Way back in the age where forests almost covered the earth and animals roamed in them freely, a very large egg was washed away by a torrent cascading down the mountain and it landed in a thick muddy swamp near the river. The hippo saw it first. He was all flustered and ran to the king of water. Did you see that giant thing that has appeared in a swamp, my king? he asked. The crocodile walked out of the river and climbed up the bank for a better look. I can't see anything, he replied. Oh, maybe because you are so low to the ground you can't see it, said the hippo. The king growled as he was not at all happy with the hippo's comment. He thought he was being rude. Um, I was only explaining why you couldn't see it, your highness, the hippo said quickly to appease his king. When the giraffe come for their drink, ask them to have a look at this strange thing in the swamp. They're all tall enough to see it more in details. Maybe we get a better idea then. Yes, I will, said the hippo, and went back to his bathing. Suddenly a zeal arrived, and they were very thirsty. But the zebras got very worried when they saw the large, strange shape in the swamp. The hippo ran to them. The king of water is aware of the giant thing in the swamp. We have to wait till the giraffes get here, and we'll ask them to have a look, he explained. The zebra didn't hang around. They had their drink and scarpered. The king of water knew it was nearly time for the giraffes to come for their drink, because they always visit the river when his best resting place is in the shade. Jama, the giraffe leader, appeared first. The crocodile greeted her. I want you to have a look in the swamp. Apparently there is a large strange thing in there. I thought the swamp is your speciality, replied Gemma. Yes, it is, but not this time of year. All the small birds are nesting, the king explained. Oh, all right then, I go and have a look, Gemma said, and ran in the direction of the swamp. The crocodile waited for her return nervously. He was worried if the arrival of this large thing was going to change the way of life in that part of the river. Just as we finally got harmony, now we have this to deal with, the crocodile thought. Oh yes, you were right, there is a large thing in the swamp, said Jama as she was catching her breath. What does it look like? asked the crocodile. 
Well, it's uh, round and um, smooth. Oh, no, it could be a giant egg. And I bet there will be even bigger creature once it's hatched. Gemma put her head down and got really close to the crocodile. You are the king of water, why don't you ask the king of the sky to get you more details? She suggested. The crocodile liked her idea. Oh yes, you are right. I wish my subject in the river were as clever as you, Gemma. I'm going to ask the eagle. He said and smiled. Jamma ran back to her friends. The king of water was busy thinking about the large thing in the swamp when Imur, the elephant, said hello to him. Oh, king of the land, how are you? I was hoping you would pop by today. I am fine, your highness, and you? Oh, I had a strange sort of day. Hippo told me a large thing has appeared in the swamp. It's been bothering me ever since, said the crocodile and looked at Imu. Well, it is going to get dark soon. If it is still there tomorrow, then we'll think of something, the elephant said. I have asked the king of the sky to come and see me, but he has not showed up yet. Oh, I'm sure he'll be around tomorrow. So good night, your highness, and see you at first light. Indeed, and good night to you too, said the crocodile and slipped under water. The following day at dawn, the mist lingered over the river. The nocturnal animals were returning to their resting places, and the day ones were just about waking up. Suddenly, loud tapping noises were coming from the swamp. All the animals around the river stopped and looked in the direction of the large egg. The tapping got louder and louder. Then a loud shrieking noise followed. A baby dinosaur has hatched. And he was calling for his mother. Then an extremely loud cry could be heard from the mountain where his mothers live. The animal were very scared in case she was going to come down for her baby and eat them all. The king of the sky was circling the swamp. Then he dived very fast and grabbed the newborn dinosaur. He flew high to the mountain. The eagle was beating his wings as hard as he could because the baby was the heaviest thing he had ever lifted. He persevered because he was thinking of his friends near the swamps and the river and he wanted them to have their peace back and tried as hard as he could to take the baby to his mother. Suddenly he saw her and swooped down slowly to give her baby back. But the mother thought the eagle was stealing her child, and she stretched her neck as high as she could and snatched at the bird in mid-air. Her baby fell to the ground, 
but he was fine. His mother attended to him very quickly. The eagle was badly hurt. He tried to fly away, but his wounds were far too great. The animals in the swamp waited for the eagle to return, but he never did, and since that day the eagle became a symbol of bravery.